Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. If you've ever wondered about how to be authentic in an effective way with your team, then today's episode is going to be great for you. Today we're talking about authenticity and how we can not just be authentic in service to ourselves, but authentic in a way that serves other people well. We have a great guest on the show today to talk about authenticity, to give us some insights, and to really help us begin thinking through how to balance who we are with what an organization or what a team needs from us as leaders. In just a second, I'll share a little bit more about who our guest is and why she's a great person to share with us about authenticity. But first, would you be able to lead more effectively if you understood how and why you and your team make decisions? I want to invite you to take the mind scan. Transformation begins with your thinking, and the mind scan gives you a visual representation of how you think. Based on the Nobel-nominated Hartman Value Profile, the MindScan Assessment is an inventory that measures your capacity to make value judgments concerning the world and yourself. Instead of simply understanding how you behave, it objectively measures why you behave the way you do. If you want to align your thinking strengths with your leadership goals in order to accelerate success, the MindScan is for you. If you're listening to this right now, I want to offer you the opportunity to take the mind scan for free. Just email community at lifeasleadership.com. You'll get a unique link and the opportunity to review your results. Now, let's turn our focus to today's interview. Our guest today is an executive coach dedicated to shifting the global conversation on leadership. She supported executives across every major industry and has developed a reputation as a candid, compassionate, and courageous leadership partner. She regularly addresses C-suite audiences on how to harness the power of real authenticity, not hashtag authenticity, to drive measurable business results. She's the author of the recently released and already best-selling leadership manual, Naked at Work, A Leader's Guide to Fearless Authenticity. Here is Danessa Knapp. Danessa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Joshua. I'm really excited to be here. So I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these questions? Absolutely. Let's go. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Sure. So when I was uh, 16, which is not a, a great leadership lesson time at first glance, when I was 16, I was involved in a high school production. And these are the years before you know YouTube and um, all kinds of on-demand entertainment. And so this tiny town, this sleepy suburb I grew up in, had big attendance for this high school performance. And I walked out on that stage. I was ready to sing my solo. And I forgot every single word of that song, Josh, Mm. three nights in a row. Wow. 
It was horrifying. Um, and about when you're 16, like the absolute worst thing that could happen to you, right? You can't imagine something worse in front of everyone. There was radio there. And that has been a defining failure in my life because the truth is it made me fearless going off to college. The absolute worst thing I could think of had already happened to me and I survived it. And so that lesson of, man, in the moment, something can seem game-changing and career-ending and reputation-decimating, and you continue. I'm so grateful to have been taught that resilience lesson really early, as, as painful as it was. Let's be serious. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A leader is compassionate. A leader is brave. And a leader is clear. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? What am I not seeing? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz is my absolute favorite uh, leadership book. It's like a how-to manual for CEOs. It's fantastic. And if you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I would ask them to start doing something that you're really bad at, to remind yourself what it's like to be a beginner and to relearn the lesson of grace. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Oh, 100% why not. Why keeps you where you are? Why not pushes you into new territory? Well, Danessa, we are here today to talk about your new book, Naked at Work. And I'd love to hear a little bit, first of all, I know this is your first book, just a little bit about the reception of it, how the experience has been so far, and then maybe give us some backstory about what made you decide to write this book. Yeah, of course. So the reception has been terrific which is super exciting. We've got uh, bestseller status within less than 24 hours across a number of management and leadership categories. We did not foresee, Josh, that we would be releasing the book in the middle of a global pandemic. That wasn't part of our scenario planning. No. Um, however, Entrepreneur just named the book one of your eight must-reads for the pandemic. So I guess that worked out well. We wouldn't have been in that article without the pandemic. So we can thank COVID-19 for that. That. I think what's been most heartening is when my clients, so many of whom stories in one shape or another, heavily anonymized, made it into the book, read it and find something new in that conversation. I really thought about it as taking the conversation I have with kind of an elite executive coach engagement and putting it into a book so it's more accessible for all leaders and what I've been really heartened by is when those clients who, in theory, have been through the experience have called me and said, hey, I read the book and man, you know, page 32 has something that I had forgotten or that we didn't talk about or that's really changing how I see things. That is just a reminder to me that even when we think we know something, even when we think we understand it, there's always something new to learn. And it's been really heartening to see. You asked a little bit about... Um, what brought the book to life, how I started this, it tied a little bit to that, Josh. So I was having a conversation and I write about this in the opening section of the book. I was having a conversation with a coach colleague of mine. And let's be clear, like 
I've had 20 years of corporate experience as a super senior leader. I've started three businesses and functioned as CEO. I've pivoted a number of times in my career. So by all accounts, I should have a fair amount of confidence in my own abilities. But he caught me in a default moment. We were talking about how to build our businesses and how to think about new product offerings and what was really mattering to leaders now. And he said to me, my colleague said, you know, I think you should teach a class on grounded, confident leadership. And Josh, I burst out laughing. (laughs) I was like, I don't know who you're talking to, but you need to check the caller ID on your phone, friend. I said, I have, you know, ended up flat face down in the arena, as Brene Brown says, so many times, like, I am a blind squirrel finding a nut. I got no confidence in this. And then I thought, look at that. All the work I do, all of the aware, intentional leadership, and that is my default coming out of somewhere. And so I got really curious again about what was driving that. And what the research said about what if I talked more about that? What if I was realer about that? And I know, you know, my clients have the privilege of every failure I've ever had because it helps them feel safer. It helps them feel more normal. But I thought, what if we brought that to a bigger audience and just sort of stood out there and said, hey, I'm a spectacular failure and I'm still here and it makes me better. What do you think it is that makes authenticity difficult for leaders? Is it just the the need to look a certain way and to look like you know everything? Uh, So I think that's part of it. I think also authenticity is having a moment. You know, if your listeners looked for podcasts on authenticity, man, they'd be listening for the next decade straight through. But what we don't talk about is that authenticity is a paradox. It can work for you and man, it can work against you. So if you show up outside the bounds of what's acceptable as authentic in your organization, there's no good there. And if you show up as authentic in service to yourself, kind of a take it or leave it kind of authenticity, I am who I am, so everybody else has to deal with it. Well, that's not going to work for you either. And so I think what's difficult and what the book set out to answer is people get that authenticity is important. First of all, they sometimes get that without any data. So the book shares the data that indeed authenticity is important, but they don't know how to do that as themselves. They don't know what will work and what won't. They don't know how to show up doing that day after day. And that's the process that I laid out in the book. It's the how-to manual for authenticity. It's not the Instagram post that says, you know, hashtag no filter, let's do it. That, That doesn't really help us move forward. This talks about why it's important for your team for you to be authentic, not for you. It's a leadership manual, not a self-help book. It will be better for you, but why it matters to your team that you're authentic and really step-by-step how to bring that forward. And I'd like to talk about some of that how-to. Before we get into that, is there any insight that you can provide as to how people are authentic in the wrong way? Because you said that oh, it can yeah. really help or it can really hurt you. And I, I imagine that we have some conception in our mind of some of the damage it can bring. But that being said, you're the expert. You're the one who's done the research. And you, you know some of these things a little bit more and, and have worked with more CEOs than the average listener of this podcast. So what, what is some insight that you can give to us there? 
Yeah, well, the good news is that all of us are watching a master class in authenticity gone wrong anytime we open the newspaper or, you know, listen to the news. Hmm. So I'll give a really public example. I am a Tesla driver. I love my Model 3. However, Elon Musk is the poster child for authenticity gone wrong. So a couple of years ago, he sent out a tweet, tweeted that he was taking Tesla private at 420 yeah. a share. It was a joke. It was an inside reference to marijuana. He cost himself and Tesla in that single tweet more money in fines than Twitter has ever made. Wow. That was a crazy expensive lesson in authenticity gone wrong. He didn't consider the circumstance. But when we think about a more accessible, more relatable examples for authenticity, I would say this. When we think about authenticity, you want to consider what's acceptable. I worked with a high-powered private equity guy, young, fantastically smart, on this real kind of power trajectory. And I was hired because part of his outfit, his socks, were too wild and distracting from his performance. Huh. And that sounds silly to those of us who are, you know, sitting at home in the COVID-19 pandemic wearing whatever the hell we want to wear. But for him, he had to notice, do I want to choose these socks, which are an authentic representation of myself, knowing that they are going to catch people's eye when I'm talking to them about something else. And that's going to create interference between what I'm saying and what they're hearing because they're looking at my socks. And that's really how you want to think about authenticity. You want to think about, is it distracting from my message or reinforcing my message? Is it appropriate in this environment or is it not? Elaine Welteroth is uh, one of my favorite leaders. She wrote a terrific book recently, and she's the youngest and only second African-American, I believe only second African-American editor of a Condé Nast publication in the history of the organization. She was the editor at large for Teen Vogue. And she said that sometimes when you are in the minority, whether that be demographically, this is my edition, whether that be demographically or in your thought process or in your background or experience, sometimes being yourself is the act of rebellion. And so when we consider authenticity, we want to think about, is it in service to our message or is it distracting from our message? So that's a way people get it wrong. They kind of show up with the face tattoo for the interview to be a bank teller thinking, this is who I am. Well, yeah, that's absolutely true. And who you are is precious and real and authentic, but it may not jive with that organization. And so leaders want to think about, will my authenticity in this space serve my message? Is it aligned with this organization or not? And then they have choices, right? Do I want to do it anyway? Do I want to be in this organization? But you want to think about your authenticity in the context of your effectiveness. Essentially, what you're saying is that you're going to probably have to lose or give up or relinquish a part of yourself or what you would consider yourself in order to get other things that you want more. Is that essentially what you're saying when it comes to making sure that you don't do authenticity poorly by trying to be yourself in a way that turns other people off? Yeah, I think 
that's the right soundbite for it, Josh. What I would say is that we are all, all a million versions of ourselves, right? We contain multitudes. If you think about who you are with your grandmother, who you are with your boss, who you are with your spouse, and who you are with your college roommate, those are all authentic versions of yourself, but I'm pretty sure you're not the same person. And so it's not necessarily about losing that piece of yourself because the person you are standing in front of your boss is the same person you are standing in front of your college roommate. It's about what you choose to bring forward in that moment. And that choice is sometimes um, silent or unconscious in our relationships, right? We know grandma isn't interested in the same things that our college roommate is, but it can be more conscious and work in your favor at work. So- Before we get to the how to be authentic well for your team, one of the things I'd like to hear from you about is what does the research say about why you should be authentic in your leadership on your team? Yeah, that's a great point, Josh, because again, you know, this isn't, um, this isn't self-help. Self-help has a critically important place, but my book is the leadership manual. It's about making businesses and leaders more effective. And so that's really what I wanted to get to. And what I found was there's some research done between 2008 and 2016 that first defined authenticity in a way that is researchable, right? So I define authenticity as bringing your full self forward in service to your organization, When the researchers define it, they have clear markers about, are you clear? Are you human? Are you connected? Those types of things. So they defined the markers of authentic leaders. And then they ran studies of their teams, controlled studies with control groups of less authentic leaders. And what they found is that the teams led by authentic leaders were more effective across two large dimensions. The first dimension was in day-to-day managerial effectiveness. So teams led by an authentic leader had higher productivity rates. They made fewer mistakes. They had fewer instances of absenteeism. So think about things that you can sort of tangibly measure and check off about your day-to-day productivity. Those kind of managerial things, authentic leaders, teams, performed far better than the control. But they're also more effective across more strategic items. So solving problems without the leader present, bouncing back from unexpected news, operating in ambiguity. Teams led by authentic leaders were more effective strategically also and more effective over time. And people led by authentic leaders are more likely to build teams using those principles. So there's this ripple effect of the courage of authentic leadership that moves through organizations that can be really, really powerful. And when you look at some of these effects of authentic leadership, you can see what happens. Do you understand why it happens that way? Do you understand why teams are better, more effective? Do you have a good idea for for the the reason these things are actually happening on teams? Or do you just realize from the research that they happen? Yeah. So that was something that pulled me down kind of a curious research wormhole, if you will, because I was really curious about that question too, Josh. And here's how I tie these things together. And some of the research makes this an overt tie. Some of it doesn't, but this is the tie I make in my book, which is 
is that when you are led by an authentic leader and everybody listening, you've had this leader in your life, right? Maybe they were a leader of a sports team. Maybe they were a leader at work, but you can think of the leader that connected with you, that believed in you, that you could show yourself fully to. When you have that leader, that creates psychological safety, which is a term coined by Amy Edmondson. And that psychological safety empowers you to try things that you wouldn't try. It also gets all of your energy focused and aligned on the task at hand. So you're no longer spending any energy trying to figure out what your boss wants or trying to sort of CYA, right? All of your energy is devoted to the work. And so you move faster. You innovate at a high rate. You're more creative because you can take risks. And so for me, that concept ties as follows. Authentic leaders create trust. There's three kinds of trust in the workplace, and they support all three of those. That's organizational trust, strategic trust, and interpersonal trust. Those leaders build trust across all those dimensions, and that trust creates safety. And when people feel safe, think about it for yourself. When you felt really safe, you can do things that you didn't think you could do before, and that drives you forward. So when a leader is being authentic, they are developing this this trust between them and those that are working for them, with them, and under them. Right. When it comes to the three types of trust you just talked about, organizational, strategic, and interpersonal, are those three different types of trust that leaders should be thinking about? Or are those types of trust naturally developed as the leader is being authentic? Those are naturally developed. So that comes out of research, again, from HBR from a team led by Anne Siebel Drapeau. And she really identified those components of trust by watching great leaders. So great leaders don't need to think about manufacturing those. It's just a way to think about, for us, as we think about our work, do we trust our leader personally? Do we trust the processes within this organization? And do we trust the overall direction of this organization? If you can think back in your career to times when any one of those lagged, you thought your boss was a dick or you didn't understand kind of why the company was focused on that strategic direction or worse, you didn't trust the promotion processes in place. They said one thing and did another. Your ability to perform in that organization when one of those types of trust is lacking is compromised. I think it's always helpful to know as a leader that if you get one or two things right, then a lot of other things fall into place. Yeah. And so that's that's encouraging to hear that if you are doing certain things right in your organization, there are any other number of areas, including trust, that you really don't have to think too much about because right. those are naturally developed. Now, from that, one thing that I think would be really helpful to hear is how do you actually be an authentic leader. And through the conversation, that has kind of come up on the side a little bit. But when people are thinking about how do I actually make sure that I am as effective of an authentic leader as possible, where I really am truly being authentic with my team, how do you actually do that? So the shorthand of it is you want to focus on compassion, candor, and courage. Now, that also sounds like a soundbite that doesn't tell you how to do anything. (laughs) And so 
I want to be clear that the process that I outline in the book is much more detailed. And to your point, Josh, it is detailed. It is simple and easy to focus on. And doing it is hard, Hmm. right? So let's be clear from the outset that doing it is hard, but it's a pretty simple process. And that is to first think about the idea that who you are as you are is enough. So what I talk about in the book is stop wasting your time on concealing stuff that you think doesn't drive you, that you think makes you less than, just stop investing energy there. As my grandmother would say, it's like rocking in a rocking chair. It takes a lot of energy and gets you nowhere. Stop wasting your time on shame. Then you want to think about where you actually are, not where you think you should be, not where you think you would be if you hadn't done that dumb thing, not where you hope you are, but where you actually are and embrace it. That's going to lead you to stories that don't serve you, stories you've told yourself all your life about what you're good at. For my sister, it's that she's not good at math. For me, it's that I'm not an athlete. We have these stories in our life generally, and we have them as it relates to our leadership. You've got to rework those, reframe them or trash them. That inevitably leads, Josh, to stories like the one I opened with, which is, hmm, there's no way to reframe that. Like, it just went wrong. (laughs) Like, it just went horribly, publicly wrong. And that's where you start looking at failure differently. I say, when I speak, when I write, I am a spectacular failure. And it has made all the difference in my life. And it's because I know that those failures moved me forward. So you want to do that internal work first. And then you take that new version of yourself, that self that you're seeing differently, you bring that person to work. And My book has a whole chapter outlined on how and how it goes wrong and what to do. That's the last kind of third of the book. But you work through the stuff you've always told yourself on, I shouldn't say that, or I shouldn't ask that question, or it's not my place to disagree. And you tell yourself a new story that if I'm asking or wondering about that, other people are too. Or if I can address this, then I can move forward more effectively. Well, Danessa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Before we finish up the interview, is there anything that you would like to reiterate from our conversation today or maybe something important to bring up from the book that we haven't been able to to talk about yet? I think the most powerful thing I would have listeners and my readers of the book remember is this isn't about you. So this work that you're doing to be a more authentic leader, this reframing your old stories and exploring your failures and connecting to your humanity, it's really hard. And it's easy when something's hard to think that you're doing it wrong and to give up. And if it were just about you, you would have that opportunity. But this isn't about you. You being a really terrific leader, you being naked at work is in service to your team and organization. It has powerful ripple effects. And so this work that I'm encouraging leaders to do, to connect with themselves, to bring that full self to work, and that I show them how to do, is about my mission, really. And I know that sounds pretty woo-woo, but my mission to have really terrific leaders across the world. We can do that, but it's about being human and authentic. Well, Danessa, 
if people have connected with what you've shared today and would like to learn more about your book, Naked at Work, and other things that, that you do, where can people go to learn more about you and to read more about what you've done? Sure. So Naked at Work is available anywhere books are sold online because that's where we're doing all of our shopping now. I'm actually keeping the ebook price at 99 cents through the pandemic. So listeners can run out and grab that. It's really important to me that leaders have the support they need. But you can get the book anywhere books are sold. And for me, you can learn more about me at DanessaKnapp.com, or you can learn more about the organization that I lead. We're executive coaches focused on really empowering, courageous, compassionate, and candid leaders across all levels. My company is Avenue 8, and you can go to Avenue8Advisors.com and learn about our workshops or our speaking or our one-on-one coaching. We'd be happy to help. All righty. Well, Danessa, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Josh, I've been so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. If you liked what you heard today from Danessa, I encourage you to follow up with her and let her know. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is Danessa's definition for authenticity, and that is bringing your full self forward in service to your organization. If your version of authenticity is doing something other than that, you're not being the authentic leader that you could and should be. The second key takeaway is this, authentic leaders are able to have more effective teams in both day-to-day and strategic activities. So in the day-to-day, people are going to be more productive, they're going to make fewer mistakes, and there's going to be less absenteeism. But at the same time, your team's going to be able to solve problems without you and to handle unexpected news better, as well as operating in ambiguity. And I think we all know that these days, there's more ambiguity. And the final key takeaway is this. The reason that teams with authentic leaders are more effective is because of this sense of psychological safety. It empowers team members to try things they might not otherwise try and to find alignment with the team as a whole. And if you want to hear more on psychological safety, just two episodes ago in episode 84, we had an interview focused entirely on psychological safety and the research agrees with exactly what Danessa said. Where there's more psychological safety, there's more connectedness and innovation. So I encourage you to check out episode 84 if you want to hear more on that topic. It's linked in the show notes below and you can find that at lifeasleadership.com slash 084. Now, I hope you'll join us again for our first episode for next week because we have the opportunity to hear about probably one of the most effective and influential leadership and business-related books in the last 50 years, and that book is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There is a re-release next week for the 30th anniversary of its original release, and we're going to be talking with one of the leaders at Franklin Covey, which is an organization that was led by Stephen Covey, who originally authored The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is going to be a great episode, and I hope you will be joining us then. Until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. 
But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well. <laughs>